Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Uh, he challenged me to basically, you know, it was a last gig scenario, you know, so who's going to go out on stage and do what and fucking you know, play pranks on somebody. So he goes, I dare you to go fuck with Mickey during his drum solo. And I was like, really? He's like, if you do that, mate, like we're fucking friends for life. And I was like, (laughs) what's the big deal? You know? And here everybody's like, dude, you can't fucking fuck with Mickey. During his solo, are you fucking crazy? You know what I mean? He's fucking a little freak. And I was like, ah, whatever. You know, I had a couple fucking drinks. It was the last show. And I was like, I don't give a fuck. So basically, like, what am I going to do? Okay. Hello, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Drum for the Song with Johnny D from Doro. We had a great chat. He's got lots of great information and good stories about his career and some good times touring with my dad in Motorhead. But first, I wanted to give you the little heads up that Johnny's son, Yanis, makes a little bit of a background noise in some of the sections. I have tried my best to trim it out, but some of it is still remaining. So just wanted to give you a little heads up about that and hopefully you can get past that without any problems. But yeah, enjoy this one. I think it's really good uh, and thanks for checking it out. So everybody, welcome to another episode of Drum for the Song podcast. I am your host, Dane Campbell. Uh, Today's guest is the very cool, uh, lovely guy, Johnny D, who plays drums in Doro, uh, Taiketo, also Brittany Fox. Um, probably a few other projects that we'll mention throughout the the, uh, the conversation. But how, how are you doing today? Happy Thanksgiving. Hey, thanks, man. I'm doing good here in Deutschland. Uh, no Thanksgiving celebrations or parades here, but uh, actually going to a mate of mine, another expat who lives in the Netherlands, heading over there for the weekend. So going to enjoy some turkey and some uh you know some of the traditional stuff that i've missed the last couple of years but so cheers to you and all and uh yeah i'm very thankful for uh for being here for one and being friends with you that's cool and your band being a fan and uh yeah just all good oh man that means a lot i appreciate that um I'm a big fan of your drumming as well, from what I've seen. Uh, I wish I could see more live. I look forward to watching you play a full set rather than, um, for anyone listening, the last time we crossed paths was at the Barcelona Rock Fest. Um, We were playing stages right next to each other, but we came off stage and then you guys started playing. Yeah. Like like five minutes later or something like that. So I got to watch a few songs, but I was incredibly sweaty <laughs> Try to go yeah those festivals are they always look great on paper and then you get there and it becomes like 
okay, I miss them. I wanted to see them. That's not happening. They're across the way. I'm not going to go there. And uh, I got to get a shower, got to get eat at the catering. And then next thing you know, you barely see anybody. But um, yeah, once in a while you catch a few. And then we did that gig together in Germany, which uh, I got to see you guys quite a bit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Smaller venue. That was the... uh, That was after, wasn't it? The brewery gig, Pyramus. Yeah, that was cool. That was really fun. I think you guys guys were on super late, so we we didn't get to see you play. Um, Yeah, you guys were in and out yeah we were indeed i think that was one of those crazy weekends of six flights or something stupid like that yeah (laughs) good times yeah it is is fun and yeah but that was a really unique um festival um yeah and i i you know i i had the 30 minutes of wander around everyone was drinking beer and having good times and oh yeah yeah. it's cool hopefully we do it again but yeah i forgot I forgot that was that was after Barcelona, but yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about your your your, your drumming journey, as I like to say. So, yeah. when when did you start playing the drums? Um, who and who were your biggest influences and stuff when you finally got into it? Yeah, I guess uh, I'd always been sort of fascinated with drums from an early age, just on a visual standpoint. You know, didn't really necessarily even have a kit, but I always remember watching drummers and, uh, you know, I, I, I tend to, um, either blame or thank my older sister for a lot of my musical, uh, shenanigans because she's six, six years older than me. And she had like really great musical taste and was listening to all the killer stuff from the seventies while we were growing up. And she, my Parents were cool enough to some parties in the basement and she would have her high school friends band come over and just like rock out in our basement as a, like a normal gig with all her friends. And, uh, so I really had that kind of up close experience with like live music at an early age. And I got really into it. And, and like I said, really into the drums and eventually the path we all follow is to get a drum kit yourself and to start um, learning to play. And I pretty much just played along to records for the longest time. Um, Wasn't really too in. I didn't join, you know, a marching band or anything like that. I was more of an outcast. So I was kind of down in the dark cellar learning on my own. Uh, like a true rock and roller. Yeah. Um, yeah. So listening to, again, my sister's record collection, everything from, you know, Elton John to Alice Cooper and all the, all the killer rock and pop stuff of the late sixties, seventies. And I, um, really, got into um, Alice Cooper pretty heavily because it was once I started to think I was around 10 or 12, really the visual aspect of it really hit me. And I was like, wow, not only is it music, it's also like monster movies and cartoonish and all these kind of elements that kids love all mashed together. 
and there's this guy with spiders and snakes and crazy makeup and just the coolest heavy music, you know? So that really got me going. And obviously the next step from there was Kiss. Um, my first live concert was Kiss. I saw them on the Destroyer tour in 1976. Blown away, you know, it's like a kid going to the circus for the first time, you know, so Peter Chris was a huge influence. And, um, from there it just exploded, you know, everybody, Ian Pace from Deep Purple, John Bonham, uh, Bill Ward, uh, just go down the list from those days. I mean, it was every single band you could count on them having just like great drummers and uh yeah so then i just played along to those records and i uh tried to teach myself and somehow found a way to to make it happen and that was where it all started so no no teacher at all then you know i went for lessons um at a local music store and uh I just didn't, I found it really, um, frustrating, I guess you could say, because, um, all of a sudden I was like, uh, sitting behind a kid with a snare drum with a rubber pad on it. And I was like, what is this? You know, <laughs> like, I want to bash the shit out of this kid. And the guy was like, no, you have to learn from this book and you have to do it a certain way. And I just was like, so stubborn as a kid i was like f that you know so um didn't last more than like two or three lessons and then i just went back to the basement and okay. uh you know maybe regrettably at this point i uh, didn't start out with with that technique and knowledge but somehow you know you find your way and you you do what's best for yourself or you you know you kind of just do it. And that's what I yeah. did. I pretty much taught myself and watched other people. And yeah, was never really a good, um, good at studying or, or, you know, concentration was always an issue. So that was really not, it wasn't happening for me at that time. So I just kind of went with the flow. Yeah. I, I totally understand that. Um, unfortunately I was never sent to lessons as a kid, but, I imagine I would have felt quite similar if I was just presented with a pad. Uh, and I, I still feel similar now. I, I never, I like, I take a pad on tour with me and it's literally yeah. just to warm up my hands. I don't really actively play exercises sure. that, that I've right. been taught. It's literally just to warm my hands up. Um, yeah. But yeah. If I, if I was paying someone 30 quid to sit down with a practice pad, <laughs> I know I wouldn't find that. I don't know, great value for money or fun at all. So, but right. I, and I know that's the way a lot of teachers do, do it. Um, there's obviously reasons for that. And I'm, I'm sure it does help massively if, if you can stick to that and, and, and learn the basics and the rudiments and the technique. And absolutely. I'm yeah. sure it, I'm sure it really does help. So, you know, not knocking anyone that's done that, but I'm sure there's lots of drummers like me and you that have learned ourselves from, um, just watching and listening and drums are yeah. uh, drums. I would say one of the only instruments where you could literally learn how to play by just watching and listening without 
doing because even with guitar you've still got to someone you know you've got to learn the chord somehow and right. I, I i guess these days there's in the internet that can teach you those things but back yeah. especially when you know when you were growing up you didn't have there was probably books around but yeah. teaching yourself um, to play yeah. drums out of out of a book it, it's easier to watch someone play right sure yeah <laughs> absolutely and um yeah i mean that's just the natural way you know uh, drums are you know are like you said an instrument that you can it's more primal too i mean you don't find uh you know natives uh banging on things and reading notes yeah. from a book or what you know we take it all <laughs> the way back to that point yeah and there's an argument that you know that stuff is built inside of us you know and we're kind of like still keeping that um you know neanderthal thing going on where <laughs> we just like it's a primal thing and we just beat to a rhythm and we you know but we're in a modern situation so you know yeah I totally, that's what i think anyway yeah i, to I totally get that and you know, i do struggle whenever someone presents me with something that's written even though i understand it i still struggle i i'll i prefer to watch someone play it and yeah copy them i find yeah. that easier to do or, li or yep. listen to someone do it but yeah you know knock, knock, knock it nice great if you can do both ideally helps the most <laughs> if you can yeah, do both i mean, think if you uh if you have that knowledge but you keep it in your you know in your back pocket or so where you you know um uh just develop kind of your own style and just put you know not use everything you absolutely know in one song or so like that i think it can be you know exceptional results you know i wish i would have more of that you know <clears throat> that knowledge but again if you're playing rock and roll is it really necessary no but it certainly helps to have it yeah i i agree so Talking about rock and roll then. So when did you start playing in bands? Did you, did you have other, you know, kids in the area that were playing guitars and stuff? Yeah. I had a couple, um, schoolmates that, uh, you know, we were all sort of learning and, and doing at the same time. So, you know, trying to jam together or learn some cover songs and, uh, getting together to play probably in grade school. Uh, which, you know, I would think about for me around sixth, seventh grade into high school, we were trying to, you know, get it together and, but oh, usually just ended up being for fun, um, with no real, um, you know, outlook on where are we going with this? You know, I think we made it to a couple of like battle of the bands situations at the school and, and that was fun. Um, but, um, when I think when I really got serious was when I joined a band that was writing their own material. And there was a couple bands, um, in my neighborhood or so that I was like sort of wanting to get to that point, you know? And, uh, I tell this story many times, but at one point, um, I would just be playing in the, in the basement by myself, learning whatever, rehearsing. And, um, two older cats came to my door and they were, one had gone to school with my older sister and the other was just another musician from the neighborhood. And they were probably, you know, 
four or five years older than me, which at that time seems like 20, you know what I mean? Yeah. And they're like, yeah, we hear you playing drums in there like every day. And uh, um, we need a drummer. And I was like, okay. Um, Not really knowing how to respond to that, but it was more or less like, here's a bunch of records, like listen to them and learn these songs. And then, you know, we'd like to jam with you. And obviously I had like the parents that would allow a rehearsal in the basement. So they obviously knew like, Hey, we can get this kid and we have a place to practice, you know? So, you know, they turned me on to all this stuff, like bands that I really wasn't up with at the time, just was obsessed with Kiss and a couple others. And then, you know, it was like um Rush. Number one was Rush. I was like, what the hell is this now? You know what I mean? This is way <laughs> beyond my scope. So, you know, I found myself learning from a couple older people and then actually getting really, really much better at what I was doing from that. And that was always became my sort of uh, thing from that point on was that I, I always wanted to sort of move on to grow. If I felt static with a situation, I was always kind of looking for something better. So I would say that was around, I was probably about 14, 15 I did have a situation that I didn't mention happen, which was really like a, a a transformation for me. I was riding motorcycles, dirt bikes and stuff from the time I was about 10. Wow. A real, you know, real little bastard, you know, smoking cigarettes and riding dirt bikes. I mean, it was really like, you know, trouble. But I got in an accident, broke my leg one summer. And I couldn't fucking walk anymore. So I literally sat there and just like got so immense into music and drumming is like, that was the point where it kind of went ding, you know, and it all focused in like that. And that's, you know, kind of when it all started to become a reality for me. So that was around, I was 13 at that time. And it was the next couple of years after that got much more serious about all of it wow okay and then how when how did that lead into you eventually starting or joining britney fox because that was that was pretty big right yeah that was um that was you know one of the i guess towards the tail end of the 80s that was 88 and we you know got in there just before the end of that whole wave you know but it was kind of a little bit of a longer journey from to that point i mean it's it's kind of odd but my journey to join a philadelphia band that got a record deal and videos on mtv and sort of world tours and arenas and and shit started in england Ah. because i (laughs) i had a friend my best friend jimmy delella uh we were you know working on putting a band together and uh, he played keys and rhythm guitar and, you know, we were big fans of all the bands from England, from Thin Lizzy, UFO, you know, just you name it. And it was like all of that stuff. Um, so one day I was, uh, I was an avid reader of Kerrang at the time. 
still coming as an import from from the UK into my local record store and I would buy it like religiously every two weeks or something. So I opened it up and I saw an, uh, a blurb in the front that said, Paul Chapman from UFO is now living in Florida and he's searching for like a utility player, keys and rhythm guitar. And I was like, that's Jimmy, man, that's your gig. So I went to his house and I told him and there was like, a phone number or an address, you know, before any internet stuff. It was like, yeah. you know, send a post address letter to Paul Chapman in Florida. So we're like, what the fuck do we do? Like, how do you get in a band of like rock, real rock star musicians, you know? So send them a resume, you know, all, but yeah. nobody had done shit up until that point anyway. So he just, we made up a bunch of shit and, you know, threw a picture or two in there and sent it. And, you know, like a miracle, one day the phone rings at his parents' house and it's like, Jimmy, come upstairs, a phone, it's for you. Guys talking real weird comes <laughs> up and it's a, Hey, Jimmy, it's Paul Chapman down Florida. I really like your stuff. And, um, you know, you should come down and have a play. And he was like, holy shit, you know, hung up the phone. We were looking at each other like, what? You're going to fucking play with Paul Chapman? Like, I'd just seen him at the Spectrum like a year ago, which is our local arena, you know? And so long story short, Jimmy goes to Florida. The band doesn't really get anything going, couldn't get a deal demos were just kind of like you know passed on so paul goes fuck it i'm going back to the uk i'm going to take my tapes and i'll get a deal over there you know so in that process he runs into pete way pete says paul we need a guitar player so paul ends up scrapping his band in florida and joining pete and wasted and then next thing you know, they're in the studio doing a record for Music for Nations. They need a keyboard player, guitar. So Paul calls Jimmy. Jimmy, my best friend, goes to England to play with two guys in UFO. <laughs> and I'm just like, this is fucking amazing, you know? So that went on for a while. He came back, the local rock star, you know, and it was like, wow. And then at some point, uh, Jerry Shirley was playing drums in the band for a little while. And he pretty much was like, look, guys, I'll do the record and stuff, but I really don't, I'm not into touring and, and doing all that. Um, so they were like, okay, we need a drummer. And Jimmy recommended me highly. And they were like, really? Okay. So, you know, again, it was like, how had this shit even happened that I get to go to England to play with these guys and I didn't wasn't even really an audition I just I mean they they said okay you know we believe you can do it we're going to fly you over here and and fly your kit over as well that was another thing that was like what That's how does that even happen you know <laughs> the days before you know the backline well they were rental backline kits of course but they just like I don't know they really put their faith in me just from his recommendation. There were no videos on YouTube of me to watch or any. Uh, so I go there and I end up in a, in a, a farmhouse in Wales playing with Pete Way and Paul Chapman. And, um, 
it was a transitional point where they were also adding a new singer. So they brought this uh, guy, Danny Vaughn, in from New York. And so all of a sudden there's like three Yanks and these two veterans of, of rock, you know. And we you, we did it. We got, you know, we did a, um, the first gig was at the Marquee Club. And we, it was like a showcase for EMI. And the guys from Maiden came. Steve Harris was helping the band. It was just like a fantasy for me. Like, here I am wow. doing all this shit. Yeah. So, you know, that whole part of it led into a tour with Iron Maiden and do, le learning the ropes with these kind of veteran guys and making my first record on a, on a major label. But all of that sadly came crashing down in less than like two years, you know, and then I ended up going home uh, and joining guys I already knew in Britney Fox who had, while I was away, kind of built this thing up and, and, uh, place themselves kind of next in line to be signed out of Philadelphia. Cool. Well, sorry, yeah, so that would have given you the, the experience of playing all the big shows. And, well, that's amazing. That's, I didn't, I, I read something about that on the Wikipedia. I didn't realize how it yeah. all happened. And um, I, I just thought I'd mention, I, I've met Paul Chapman. He, he was friends with my dad, as everyone is. Uh, I think he, him and his wife or partner at the time came over to my parents' house for, I guess, like a day, dinner and drinks. Yeah. And he, was, he was staying in a local hotel. So my dad, I, I think I'd, I hadn't long passed my driving test. So I, I must have been like 18, 19, maybe. And my dad said, Oh, do you mind taking Paul back to his hotel? But I was, <laughs> I, I was driving him in my little Ford Fiesta car. <laughs> And um, I remember, just remember he was wasted, absolutely wasted. Oh, totally. Uh, and I, my dad was like, oh, I'm sorry you had to do that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he seemed like a really fun guy and he's obviously incredibly talented. So, um, yeah, was, man. I, yeah. It's I crazy. Like, those, those stories just abound of all those guys, you know? Yeah. <laughs> dad must have some great tales of, of his, of uh, his feelings, you know? But they're both Cardiff boys. Yeah, near near uh, Cardiff is the closest city. I would okay. Say. So yeah, we don't say we're from Cardiff as such, but that's the nearest city. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> but you know, Welsh heritage. You yeah. know, our players got to hang together. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. But um, ah, oh, so amazing. So yeah, so Britney Fox again released a few albums. Like, I imagine you did some good touring with with them as well. Um, yeah. And like you said, that that kind of style of music was slowly, I guess, early '90s was kind of going out of fashion a little bit. Yeah, the, the the grunge, I guess, which is the stuff I I I grew up listening to, I yeah. guess, became the the newest, coolest thing. Mm -hmm. so, so, what happened to the band? Did you did you just decide to call it a day, or did it just fizzle out, or did you did you move on to something else yourself? Um, <clears throat> well, we had a really sh sort of quick ascent, you know, we, the first album came out, we, um, got a video on MTV and started to get this sort of fan thing cranking. And next thing you know, uh, we were on tour with Poison. Nice. Um, we had like a gold record 
already, you know, was just like, wow, this is happening so yeah, quick. And it just like really all came together and was, was flying pretty quick. So, um, we have a guest. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, we just ascended really quickly and it was like, wow, this is amazing. You know, we can like totally we're in and we're going to like ride this wave, you know? Um, but the thing about Brittany Fox from the beginning, uh, when things were going great, everything was okay, but there was always this sort of underlying thing, a, a dysfunctional kind of thing underneath, if you will, where, you know, the singer, um, of course, needed everybody to, you know, I mean, I don't discount his talent at all, but the guy, you know, he wrote the songs, the majority of them, he came up with the name, he had the whole concept, which was great, but he also had two guys in the band that were in the band Cinderella. They were uh, fired when Cinderella got signed, two of the dudes formed Britney Fox um out of that situation and so there was a lot of talk about britney fox but it was also like oh there's a cinderella connection and blah 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 so it, it helped in the press but it also um sort of made the singer a, li a little bit resentful because a lot of the attention went to our guitarist who was the guy that was in cinderella right. so <clears throat> there was always this sort of like well i did everything uh, and you guys, you know, should thank me for it or do what I say and all this just kind of lead singer um, bullshit that kind of ruined the band in the end, you know, and a lot of personality clashes for sure. You know, we were all kind of coming from a different mentality. And um, like I said, when it was great, it was great. But when it started to go off the rails a bit, it just got. Um, yeah just sort of the fire kind of got out of control a bit. So um, in the end, to answer your question, the band, uh, the lead singer, Dean Davidson, left in a huff and formed another band and kind of left Britney just sitting there without a singer. And that was after our second record and some, you know, really good touring and stuff. But we, our second album didn't really come out of the gate as great as the first one did. So there was already this kind of like, you know, leveling off of the success. So what did you do then personally? Personally, um, well, I joined a couple projects that, you know, had some potential, but never really realized that. Uh, one was, was a, sort of an AOR kind of very commercial band, which really was not, you know, the timing was couldn't have been worse for that one. Then I joined a band from Philly called When Worlds Collide, which was much more like um, a bit grungy, a um, little bit like Alice in Chains. Um, nice. We had a black front man who was the killer drummer as well and a uh, really great singer and yeah, uh, just I kind of, you know, stuck myself in a few situations that I really enjoyed the music of, but they just didn't really couldn't get off the off the launch pad, so to speak. So I guess for about a year, 
or a little more, there was just really nothing happening, you know? And then oddly enough, I got a call from the same Jimmy Delella that I was in Wasted with and who had got me that gig, who had now been playing with Doro Pesh. And uh, the same situation came up again. They were in need of a drummer and Jimmy recommended me. And next thing you know, I'm playing with Doro. She came to Philadelphia to have a play together. And she was like, I really would like wow. to, to join the band. And that was in 1993. Wow. Wow. And then the rest is history. <laughs> well, at least the last 29 years. Yeah. yeah. You're still doing it. That's great. And, um, yeah. no, that's, that's a cool story. Um, um, and you've released, how many albums have you done? Studio albums have you done with Doro? I don't even, let's see, 93. There was the first one was a live record we did, which was like my second week in the band. We were on tour in Germany making a live record and video, which was pretty cool. It's still uh, one of my favorite uh, projects or my favorite releases um, because it just showcases that time of of our life. So live album, then couple studio albums, probably I would say at least like 10. Nice. That's pretty good. Pretty damn good. And a couple like greatest hits with some other stuff on there, but I, I actually never counted. She wow. put out quite a lot of stuff. I noticed I was scrolling yesterday and I was like, wow, there's a lot, there's a lot of releases here. And like, yeah. like you said, live, live stuff as well. But um, yeah. yeah, amazing. That's, that's so cool. And so wait, when did you move to Germany? Was it because of the band? That's why you moved to Germany or was there some other reason? Um, well, that's the reason. <laughs> point, point, point your that, son. <laughs> what's, your, what's your son's name? Yanis. 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 Cool. Yeah. Cool name. I don't know why I never moved. I mean, I just was sort of busy at home. So I would like on breaks of Doro, I had, uh, I'd done the cover scene at home. I did like a couple Britney Fox reunion periods and all this stuff. So it was always more work for me happening in the States, you know? Yeah. So I never really made the big move. And, um, until about four years ago when I met my girl and um, it just kind of all made sense at that time, you know? Yeah, um, totally. totally. But, uh, yeah. I, I, was it easy to make the move as in like, like in terms of like all the paperwork and all that, how, how does all that work these days? It's um, well, Germany's all about the paperwork. I mean, they love that stuff to the to the nth degree. It's like ridiculous. But I was going through the process of of trying to get the residency pass, and I had mentioned to the to the worker at the immigration office that yeah, my girlfriend's pregnant, and uh, he goes, "Why didn't you tell me that? I mean, that's automatic now. So you just like." Uh -huh. Do, 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 and that's that. So I was like, you know, oh, wow. um, so yeah, it was, it was pretty cool and, uh, pretty easy. And, but yeah, it's, uh, the language thing is difficult for me still after coming here all those years. I never really 
even bothered to focus on learning more than the usual, like, can ich ein Bier bitte haben oder, you know, something like that. Yeah. Um, because I was just going right back home afterwards and stuff. So um, once again, like we spoke about learning drums, I never like put myself into, I'm going to learn German, you know, from a book or lessons or anything. It's just like, okay, teach yourself, you know, and kind of do it half-ass until you, you know, till it works for you. So, um, yeah, but I'm totally happy, man. The timing was amazingly, uh, you know, lucky, I guess, because I moved here and it was about a year, the first year, um, you know, Kathy stopped working and we just kind of took care of Yanis and then COVID came. So it was like another two years of like, Oh God, you know, but mm. we were all together. So to be with my son for the first three years of his life without ever going anywhere for longer than a weekend or something was like the best thing that could have ever happened. So it was a bit yeah. of a blessing and a curse. Like, Hey, you're completely out of work. You're screwed. No live shows. And I was just like, okay, you know, I'll just hang with my boy, you know? So that was, that made it so much more dealable for me. You know, it really made it, uh, made it easier, but, uh, it's great to be back playing again, as you know. Yeah. Great. So, um, so, so I, I've written here, what, what would you say were your career highlights so far? Mm, I would say, um, probably the fact that, um, I still have sort of a career or, you know, I mean, that's a highlight to me that I'm like still doing this and I have a gig that has lasted, um, you know, next year is the 30 year anniversary that I'm in Doro's band, which is like, you know, it's longer than any band I've been in and it's like half of my life. And it's also like, wow, I'm still, you know, uh, playing drums in a band and uh, making a, you know, a half-assed living from it, um, enough to survive, you know? Yeah. That's what it's all about. Yeah. So that to me is a highlight. And then of course the other, uh, surface stuff would just be, you know, video on MTV or something for the first time or the first big tour I did with the one that I did with Iron Maiden when I was in Wasted. That was a huge, unforgettable experience. Um, there was a Somewhere in Time tour and we did some gigs in Europe and then we went and did about four weeks in America with those guys. And that was just like a dream come true, you know? Yeah, I bet. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, let's see, a couple big gigs with Britney Fox, of course, getting a gold album, all that kind of stuff. But, uh, yeah, just to, to still be doing it to me is, is, is key. And that's, um, something that I can really now just kind of hang and enjoy, you know, before it was always like, you know, you're like hustling, bustling, trying to get gigs or whatever like that. And, but to me, I've always been sort of more happy as a part of a band than to be like a side guy, you know, even though the Doro band is like a little bit of both. 
I'm much more comfortable to be part of a unit than just the dude that like runs from gig to gig or session or, you know, whatever. It's just, it's more of my personality. It fits me. Yeah. Fine. And I'm happy with that. So. Yeah. I think I feel this. I feel the same. Uh, I know a lot of guys that do different gigs every weekend with different bands and they're learning set lists. And I'm like, man, <laughs> I don't mind doing the odd favor. Um, and like, you know, cover bands and stuff. That's all cool. That brings in right. the, the, the cash. But yeah, I don't know when you're learning like a 20 song set list for one gig mm. to get 150 pounds or something. It's just like, right, wow, right. I, I, I can't be, I can't be bothered to do that. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta have it in you. I definitely done that kind of stuff, but at the time it was kind of like, um, I think the more you do it, the the more comfortable you are with, with having to do it. But it's yeah. also, if you're just playing in a band and you're, you're cool with that, it's like really does seem like a lot of BS for a very little payback, you know? Yeah. But yeah, you know, I totally get it. I totally get it. And, um, yeah. yeah. And I'm sure like you've been involved in some great tours and I know you've toured with my dad, which I'm assuming it was hilarious. So oh, I, yeah. I, I asked him last night, I said, is there anything you want me to ask Johnny? And he just said, I'll oh, make sure he tells everyone about the Mickey D drum solo story. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I know what he's talking about. Are you allowed to, you're allowed to talk about that? Yeah, man, absolutely. <laughs> that was a fucking highlight for sure. Um, <laughs> it was so weird, you know, cause those, First of all, it was amazing to be on tour with Motorhead. So that was like a fucking dream come true also. And um, the fact that Doro and Lemmy were friends, it kind of broke the ice a bit. But in yeah. the beginning, like your dad, he could seem like a bit curmudgeonly, like, you know, doesn't really speak. He's kind of shy in a way. But if you don't know him, you think like he's completely rock star stuck up or something. So I was like, I didn't know really what to make of Phil. I thought, like, is it me? Like, am I a wanker? And he just doesn't want to fucking bother talking to me or whatever. But then we started to kind of warm up. You know how it is. The first couple of days of any tour is always like you barely even say hello to anybody, you know, because you're just too fucking busy. Yeah. So then we had a couple of chats and when I realized how fucking funny he was and luckily like the time that I spent in England was always such a fucking great, funny time. And I mean, the, the comedy alone lasts a lifetime. I literally still to this day talk with my friend Jimmy in about shit that happened or certain ways that British people speak or the fucking comedy that they are really into and like your your old man was just like fucking hilarious so once i got that vibe going you know and then the wind-ups man the wind-up shit like nobody fucking you would not know what that was unless you lived in england or dealt with some people you know british people in a band that love to wind people up or so i'm like okay <laughs> this guy's fucking perfect man and i could like at least talk to him on that level like i had as i had experienced some of that so i was a little bit more aware than just some you know the stupid american that could be completely wound up and taken advantage of but anyway i think 
uh, he challenged me to basically, you know, it was a last gig scenario, you know, so who's going to go out on stage and do what and fucking, you know, play pranks on somebody. So he goes, I dare you to go fuck with Mickey during his drum solo. And I was like, really? He's like, if you do that, mate, like we're fucking friends for life. And I was like, what's the big deal? You know? And here everybody's like, dude, you can't fucking fuck with Mickey. During his solo, are you fucking crazy? You know what I mean? He's fucking no freak. And I was like, ah, whatever. You know, I had a couple fucking drinks. It was the last show. And I was like, I don't give a fuck. So basically, like, what am I going to do? Okay. Um, I'll borrow Doro's underpants and bra. We had this fucking big, like, gray wig because we had this warlock character thing, costume off the side of the stage. So I put that on, bra and panties, no other clothes, <laughs> big piece of gray wig hair sticking out as a big gray bush out of the panties, you know? <laughs> and I just like grabbed a cigarette and a beer and I fucking walked on stage as he was playing his solo. And I just stood next to him and did like a fucking, you know, a go-go dance or whatever. <laughs> and he was completely oblivious to it just playing his fucking ass off like he does. And then at like three minutes into it, he finally like caught a glimpse of me and was like, what the fuck? And then he <laughs> laughed and kind of, I could see his fucking eyes just burning me like you motherfucker. You know what I mean? And uh, so I left the stage and your dad just like gave me the biggest fucking smile and hug. And he was just like, that was fucking brilliant man and ever since that moment we were like totally mates you know so yeah um <laughs> that's it, it cool. great yeah i don't think many people have done that or anything similar i know there's a story where i think it was in manchester gig doing mickey's drum solo and my dad took a load of their, their kind of super fans to the bar next door and they filmed it and they all had a pint in the bar next door doing his drum solo. And then, <laughs> and then, and then came back out by the time he finished. Oh. And, then, and then stuff like that. I think the, the, the drum solo was always something to focus on when it, when it came to pranks. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a lot of time, you know, spent for other people who aren't involved, you know. Yeah. Totally. But, uh, yeah, that was, that was a great time, man. Really, really awesome. Yeah, and Mickey I mean, and I are still friends, so I guess he's not too pissed at me. Nah, he know he knows it's just a joke, isn't it? He? he knows. Yeah, but that's cool. That's cool. You're still your mates, and you use the same the same last name. I know it's not right. his, his real last name. What is your real last name? Or you? My like real last name is D. Teodoro, which Whoa. is funniest thing because I actually have Doro in my name. Yeah. Another fucked up story was when I met Doro for the first time and her manager was this guy, Alex Grove, a Swiss guy. So he was like, you know, Mr. Um, psychoanalytic, you know, he could get inside your brain by just like saying two words to him, you know, and uh, he's like, so, yeah, what is your real name? You know, and I showed him my license because it's impossible to, to like have somebody pronounce it or spell it right. So I gave him my driver's license. 
Detail doll. Okay, then. Uh, well, I guess we have to give you the gig because you already have doll in your name. I was <laughs> like, hey, man, I'll take it however I can get it, you know, but it was another character, but that, yeah. And Mickey's is what? Like D. Gregor? Something. I'm not going to try and pronounce it, to be yeah. honest. I know it's not D. Yeah. <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure where it is. Apologies for interrupting this episode of Drum for the Song. I really hope you're enjoying it so far. I just wanted to take a few moments to tell you about my Patreon page, This is a place where you can support the podcast in exchange for some bonus content. You can head over to patreon.com forward slash drum for the song. There are three tiers available at the moment. One is £3 a month, one is £5 a month, and the other one is £10 a month. Each tier grants you access to exclusive benefits, which include bonus episodes, early access to the main episodes, private Facebook group membership, merch discounts, discount on Motorhead beer, as well as a monthly competition to win Motorhead beer, access to Skype chats with me, asking my guests questions, occasional free gifts like drumsticks, free tickets to Phil Campbell and the Bastard Sons shows, and your name in the episode description. If you regularly enjoy the podcast and think you would enjoy those benefits too, please consider signing up. If you didn't already know, I do everything for this podcast all by myself. So I do all the contacting, all the research, all the interviews, all the audio editing, all the video editing, all the artwork, all the uploading. I write all the descriptions. I build the website. Everything is just me. So essentially, the money from the subscriptions helps me keep a bit of time free during my weeks so I can continue making the podcast for you guys. So again, that's patreon.com forward slash drum for the song. Check it out and enjoy the rest of the episode. Drum for the song podcast. Yeah, I got sick of seeing my first record I ever put out um, was on a a small independent label and they fucking spelled my name wrong. So ever since that day, you know. The guys in Wasted were always like, oh, no, just use your, your real last name. And I did. But after that, I was like, OK, it's, that's enough. It's got to be easier for people to, you know, to spell and say. And uh, so yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. That's a cool name. I've never I can't say I've ever come across it before. So it's really cool. that you've. Got yeah, it's a bit rare. You know, I thought I was the only one in the world until like the Internet came. And then I started to see other people with that name. And I was like, wow, that's that's pretty cool. You know, so, so where, do you know where it originates from? Like what country? Yeah, it's Italian. My father Italian. was born in Italy. So I'm you know, I um, my dad. Uh, was born in Italy in 1917 and came to America in like 55 or something. He was a professional soccer player in Italy for his whole life. Whoa. Played for some big teams like uh, Venezia and Pescara. And he played for his home team, which is Giulianova, which is on the 
Adriatic coast and stuff. But then he was uh, in World War II in the Navy. So obviously all that uh, competitive uh, gaming sort of stopped at that time. So he kind of got screwed a bit in his career, but he still, you know, managed to, to do that for a living. And he finally moved to Canada the last couple of years of his career because he was just getting too old to compete anymore. So he went to Canada and played like a year or two and then started coaching. And then he moved down to the Philadelphia area and then, yeah, stayed there. And that's where my sister and I were born. Ah. Wow. Fascinating. But uh, yeah, let's talk, like, what's, what's coming up for you then? What have you got? Um, coming up maybe the rest of this year or next year you've got yeah. like you mentioned there's an anniversary of yourself being in the band and I think yeah. is it Doro's 40th that's correct yeah yeah. so that'll be a big thing next year um, the rest of this year is for just a few maybe four more shows just had a Swedish festival cancel yesterday so that sucks ah no Stockholm rock out was cancelled that's a bummer, but we also have um, the Knockout Festival in Germany coming up and um, a couple shows that were rescheduled from our winter tour here. So we have um, actually we're flying to Mexico next weekend to play one gig, which is what? Yeah, it was a real late addition. I don't know whose place we took, but we're like playing right before the Scorpions. I so saw that. Yeah. The- the Hell in Heaven Festival, which is like pretty massive. Um, there's a Pantera gig happening on the same day. So I'm like, wow, you know, again, re- trying to re- think re- like, who can I watch that day? You know, and I probably won't see anybody, but, um, so that'll end our year. And then we don't have anything until, um, the Monsters of Rock cruise in April. Oh, nice. Um, is that, yeah. The one from the goes off from the U.S., is it? Yeah, it's from Miami, usually in the Caribbean, and uh, that's a super fun one. Yeah. Um, no, never done that one. You've been on that one? I never. We've never done that one. We've done similar uh, cruises, but not, not that. I'd love to do it. Yeah, um, absolutely. I'm sure you'll get on there one of these times. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, like you said, Doro 40 year anniversary, that's kind of kicking in, I think, uh, probably during the summer festival season, it's going to start to do some bigger shows with that sort of tag on there. And uh, I'm sure that'll involve some special guests and a lot of, uh, you know, classic song editions and stuff like that. I'm sure she's working on something to, you know, make it special as she always does. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, we'll be busy with Doro and then the Taiketo thing. I joined Taiketo this year, um, which is a band uh, that was formed by a bunch of friends of mine. Again, the name Jimmy Delella. Uh, after Wasted, Jimmy and Danny Vaughn came together and with the other guys that were involved formed this band Taiketo in New York area and uh, went on to get a deal with Geffen, mm-hmm. put out a record or a couple records and, uh, you know, just real, real good um, melodic rock 
And so I'll be reuniting with Danny, the vocalist, uh, since our time with Wasted, which was like 30 some years ago, we're actually going to be in a band together again. Their drummer founding member just decided to retire from touring and uh, he's running his own business and taking care of his family. So I'm just stepping in to, to keep it going and have some fun with those guys. So we'll be doing a UK tour in, uh, in May, I believe. Nice. nice. Okay. And some festivals that. right after. So, um, and also we'll be playing with you guys at the Hard Rock Hill, which is at the end of next year. That's looking way down the pike, but I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. To, uh, playing with you guys again. And, uh, yeah, I'm sure it'll be, uh, next, next year will be a probably a Doro new studio release. Gonna go in and do a couple tracks, uh, in the next couple weeks here, we have four or five days in the studio booked and, uh, I'm gonna see what Doro's been working on for the last half a year or so and lay some tracks down. And then, uh, yeah, next year, hopefully more of the same with both bands. Of course. Yeah. So when you talk about studio work, does, how does that work then? Does she present you with a demo for you to kind of come up with your own? Drum parts too. Pretty much, yeah. Either that, or I'm replacing, you know, replacing what's on there. Um, if they, she, it's been a while since we've done the traditional uh, band record. You know, we had a couple on the last record, a couple days in the studio where we we uh, wrote and performed some stuff together. But she really likes to. If she's got a song cooking, she really likes to kind of finish it and yeah. get it to almost that completed point. And uh, she works with her producer, writer, co-writer up in Hamburg and um, comes up with a lot of the stuff. So usually um, some stuff gets just completed and I'm not even involved. And then other stuff is like we need live drums on here and we need the band, you know, attitude or whatever it is and i'll i'll kind of replace whatever is on the on the tracks be it programmed or whatever it is and uh so it's it's always different but it's it's kind of yeah the last couple records have come together like that and that's the way it usually goes cool now that's, that's interesting to know how that works yeah uh, yeah well i'm sure it'll be a great record whenever it comes out and uh Look forward to hopefully catching you live as well. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully a full set one day. But yeah, yeah. Um, maybe we'll end up on the same festivals. I know we're, our agent's currently looking to fill our summer up as much as possible. And Ooh, yeah. we'll, we'll see what happens. And yeah, man. Like it would be nice to do some, you know, even a short little run together, you know, at least that way we can uh, oh, that'd be amazing. spend some quality time together and see each other's full show. Why didn't yeah? Why didn't you put put the idea out there to Doro about taking us with you somewhere? That would we definitely be up for that. that would be yeah, cool. man. Yeah, definitely. I but, will. Uh, we'll mention that. Yeah, please do. That would be cool. Um, so let's talk about what gear you use because I know you've got some very nice gear. Um, yeah, from the photos and some similar brands to me and some not. So yeah. tell what do you what do you endorse brand wise as well? 
I'm playing DW drums, pedals, and hardware, everything uh, that they pretty much um, make um, since around 94 or so. I've been with them, and they've been wow. really, really good to me, and uh, the stuff is real quality. The, the, the Doro kit I have is from about 2006. And, uh, still sounds killer and is holding up really well. And despite the fact that I, you know, I would like to have a new kit every year. I'm not receiving those. <laughs> so, um, you know, I'm forced to play what I have, but man, I, the more that I play that kit, the more I'm like, man, how could I ever not play this kit? It's just, yeah, as know, long as it works, it's killer. Yeah. And, um, yeah, those are fitted with Evans heads. I've had cool. a deal with Evans for a long time. Um, Piesty cymbals, which to yeah. me are the absolute best. Um, I, I agree. <laughs> love, love the tone and the, yeah, everything about them and the treatment that I get from, from, uh, from them is, is excellent. Um, yeah, yeah I have. Uh, yeah, good. Yeah, I played Vader sticks for um let's see since man got to be 1991 or something like that. Wow. And um yeah. Uh but this covid shit has really changed a lot of relationships in the in the endorsement areas, you know. A lot of people are, have been cracking down on freebies and, uh, you know, just stuff's yeah. getting weird. You kind of get tossed aside. And, um, so yeah, there's been some weirdness with, with my stick company. So I'm kind of like not sure what's going to happen there or where I'm going to, oh, where I'm going to go. But, uh, yeah, that's, that, that's no, that's not, that's not cool at all. But considering you've been using them so long, you think? Yeah, it's, I can, um, I can almost relate to the fact that, you know, obviously things have gone through the roof price wise. So, yeah. um, having to pay, you know, artist costs for a lot of things has been nothing new to me for, for many years. You know, I've had some times where you get shit for free and other times when you just, you know, you can't get it. And if you still really like the product and want to use it, you know, it's not a, a big deal to have to purchase it. You know, we, we yeah. all did that back in the day anyway. Um, but, um, some things just, you know, are too expensive to get or to give away. Yeah. Uh, one of them being the Porter and Davies, uh, <laughs> bum chum. I use one of those thrones religiously. And, uh, yeah, that was kind of an ear and a lifesaver. Uh, really love that thing and carry it around with me wherever I can. And that's, uh, I don't have to use a Mickey D sized drum fill anymore, yeah. which is like a small PA system. When I sat behind his kit in Motorhead, I was like, um, I think my skull just cracked in half. And in ears, I just started using uh, Vision ears. They're based in Cologne. Okay, and, cool. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's it. I use a uh, Roland SPDSX for some uh, 
effects sounds, intros, outros, uh, two or three backing tracks with like some strings on there and stuff like that. Any electronic stuff needed, necessary or whatever, I use that. Yeah. But I've most never used of, one of those. Yeah. They're pretty yeah. cool. I think yeah. I use it for about 10% of what its capability is. Things are unbelievable what, you know, what can be done with them, but I just, uh, yeah, do Use it, it for the basics. Few. I just make noise with it. Like, you know, I have one patch with like Lemmy's voice on it and just like to hear that. Really? Every day at sound check or whatever, or, you know, some sirens and, um, effect sounds, like I said, and just fun stuff. Yeah. That sounds pretty fun. I, yeah. I know. I know. Um, I'm I'm one of the I guess only drummers that I'm familiar with that don't really use any electronic stuff, um, which I kind of like it that way. Yeah, it, it is kind of cool when you see these hybrid setups and there's a few you know electronic pads and pads or whatever. Yeah, and you can do some cool stuff with that. I just for the I guess for the music we play, which is just simple rock and roll, there's no need. Yeah. Really. It's not necessary. Um, no, I mean, the reason I started doing it was um, when I first joined Doro, there was, um, she had done a couple records which were really like, um, I don't know, sort of, I won't say hip hop, but kind of house music-y sounding with some really like obvious electronic program stuff. And I really wanted to recreate that so i just got myself a couple pads and started to program some sounds in there and it really i think it added to the to the vibe keeping yeah. the original vibe of the song and stuff like that so you know and then once you have it there it's kind of like you just start adding whatever you know whatever is necessary or but uh if it had been a band that you know like yours for example that i was in from the beginning and started and then that's the way it was i probably wouldn't need it either so it really playing for an artist i think and covering like 40 years of material which all isn't really like the same it's not like acdc or something there's some really you know she's covered a lot of different bases so that kind of gives me an extra little sound there to do whatever or if i need some percussion sounds i don't have to carry all kinds of you know tambourines and wood blocks and whatnot with me i can just dial them up in the pad yeah i, yeah. I totally i totally get it and they're really great and maybe I'll, I'll get one one day i i just had my my porter and davis delivered yesterday i haven't Whoa. tried it yet i haven't tried it yet oh um, man but yeah like i paid for that after lots of people lots of guests on the show were recommending it and yeah i think it's going to help for the the main reason i wanted to try it for anyone listening is sometimes i, I use in-ear monitoring and sometimes there's like a, a big drum sub on the stage as well and sometimes it's not when when there is one i find it helps a little bit because you can feel that kick drum yeah a little you can actually feel it and with some of the fastest like punkier songs that we play where i'm i guess i'm playing shorter notes and maybe softer notes on on the kick drum. Sometimes they don't quite come through that well on the mix. And and I, I'm like, in my head, I'm like, 
I don't feel like I'm playing them. I look like I can see my foot making the sound, but I want to make sure that sound is coming through. And, and mentally sometimes it makes me doubt my, my playing ability because I can't hear it or feel it. Right. So, and it was really highlighted on the last tour when there was, I remember there was one show they said, Oh, there's not enough channels on the monitor desk for you to have a sub. Um, so you've just got in ears and I really struggled that show. So I think, I think this is going to make all the difference if I can feel it in my ass. <laughs> Absolutely, man. I mean, I don't think that the average person would think that you, how can you ever not hear your kick drum? It's so loud. But when you're on stage with, you know, so many DBs of stuff going on around you, it's amazing when you can't even really hear yourself at some points. Yeah. And that's the worst feeling ever. Cause you're kind of just, First of all, you're just kind of feeling your way through the songs and you're not really able to get into it as much if you're not feeling that thump, you know. And this thing is, is like I said, a game changer. It gives you the confidence and in collaboration with the in-ears, it's like, you know, they actually use bone conduction to make the whole thing work. And it's like you're definitely feeling what's happening you know what i mean is this, this thing's just like going up your spine your ears are cranking and it's all going yeah so coming towards the end now i wanted to mention you've got like a merch store as well right i do yeah you got That's, t-shirts um, sort of came up during covid when i was trying to think of other ways to make a little money on the side and um and to i've always been interested in like graphic design and um, drawing a little bit. And, uh, so I just kind of started putting these designs together and putting them on shirts, uh, or coffee mugs. Uh, this little dude here. Oh, wow. That's really cool. That's really that's cool. A, a Captain D. Yeah. Pirate nice. mug with, uh, yeah. So I have those and I started dabbling in some like rock and roll jewelry stuff, making, uh, bracelets that look a little bit more metally or rock and roll and they're black with skulls or other kind of silver silvery jewelry on there and stuff and just nice. thinking of different things to do but um yeah stickers shirts i i love merch i mean i you know, I try to probably wear a T-shirt with a band name on it every day of my life or something <laughs> like this. Yeah. I don't have um, that one. I've got the T-shirt. The, I've got the orange and blue T-shirt, but I don't have the hoodie. Yeah, I was I was like, I got to get one of those, man. But so I love that kind of thing, and I love graphic design, and I love to mess around with it when i have some free time and so yeah and it you know that's cool i, I think it's a, a great thing a to do bucks to buy some drumsticks you know <laughs> i know the feeling i don't for the record i don't get any any of my stuff for free i, I pay for it all but you know, it does when when people ask for drumsticks or shows we don't all get them for free we can't always Ooh. give them away. We can't give them away every show. Yeah, it's getting <laughs> getting to be impossible. I just made guitar picks up because I'm like tired of like, you know. Yeah. The worst is when you have a pair that aren't even like just been hit like three times and you're like, no. 
you know. Uh, I, I don't. I don't. I don't do it. I wait until they really. Um, you know, when I've done a few shows on them. Yeah. If one of them's chipped or something, then I'll I'll give them out to some kid. Or yeah. Whoever whoever sung the loudest at the front row. <laughs> right. But uh, yeah. I can't. You know, I can't. I can't do. And and I, I think, I guess at at, at my level. I guess there's probably some drummers that are getting this stuff for free. So when they come to a show, they are used to just get the drummers throw in loads of sticks out. But, you know, I can't do it, you know. Yeah. No way, yeah. sorry. <laughs> those, days, those days are um, dwindling quickly, you know. Costs yeah. going unbelievably high and yeah, uh, it's terrible. It's but, true, you know. Yeah, well, but uh, anyway, for your for your shop, I, I I've written it down here: etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash decompose is the URL. Yeah, D D E E C O M P O Z E. E. Yeah, easier. Just go to johnnyd.com and there's a link there. So that's easier. <laughs> that's yeah. a lot easier. <laughs> Much easier. That's why I set that up. So yeah, and you uh, can see at my website you know, whatever info, uh, try to update the concert dates, um, as much as possible. Actually, I took a bit of time and, and did like a, uh, an archive list of all the shows that I've done with Doro. Wow. That's really cool. If anyone wants to see that over the last 30 years, you can, you can go to my website and click on uh tour date archive and, check that out or visit my shop from there or yeah see some photos and stuff like that so that sounds like a cool place and maybe i should have gone on that yesterday information there but yeah yeah that's cool um t- before we kind of do the, the kind of end thing have you got any any tips for drummers any anything you recommend people do for any budding drummers out there Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I would say, you know, depending on what you're looking to get into, if it's, you know, live rock and roll uh, shows or, you know, festivals or any kind of touring for that matter on a lower budget or even on a big budget. I mean, some bands, you know, even at you know, where I am or even above or, you know, the gigs we've done together. Um, we've dealt with kits that are, you know, just rented for the day or for that particular drummer who's, you know, if you're a certain brand player, you know, you ask for, uh, this allotment of stuff and different sizes. Basically what I'm trying to say is to be open-minded and be prepared for anything um and uh yeah it doesn't pay to really you know throw a wobbler because you're just gonna have to get to it and play anyway you know what i mean so um once you accept that you know you're not the only one and there's a lot of things that you know aren't going to be ideal try to focus on your your performance and your playing and making it, you know, as best you can for, for the gig, you know, just like your, you know, title of this program drum for the song. Um, in the same con context, I would say drum for the gig as well, you know, 
um, to make yeah. it make it work. That sounds that's really 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 good advice actually. And um, <clears throat> yeah, it's one thing that I think when you're well, especially when I was starting playing in bands, you'd play on a show and you'd all all the bands would share the same drum kit. Sometimes you'd have to bring your own for everyone else to use. Yeah, and and so, but I think all those experiences playing on different people's setups and kits can really help um, prepare you for that. Yeah, prepare you for that, and just generally uh, mean like I think there's lots of drummers out there that maybe are only used to playing their own kit. So whenever they're presented with anything else, they so un- they feel so uncomfortable. Right. So I th- I think yeah, kind of playing as many different people's kits as possible. Maybe even if you've got an electronic kit at home, just playing that and then switching back and forth. It, it just means you can be yourself on any kit, really. Um, yeah. And and allow and allow if you've got as if you've got time, I know sometimes you don't get much time to fiddle with things, kind of figure out where you like things to be that no matter what kit you get given, you can kind of position in it, position right. it in your way. I think that's important if you yeah. feel comfortable. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's, that's one good thing. If you can get the, you know, the brand of stands that you use normally to to be there that's cool but if you have like a completely different brand that you're not real familiar with it can be quite a a time-consuming adventure to wrangle a stand into place you know what i mean so um but yeah those are things you kind of uh learn on as you go you know yeah yeah just kind of just try and deal with it people and um yeah and what just reminded me actually this one one thing I've got on my on my drum kit rider, I suppose, uh, request sheet. I I asked for no Yamaha stands. No, really. <laughs> I've had so many bad experiences with um, the boom arms just kind of twisting around, and uh, I can't. I don't have time for that at, at a festival. But I still get them. I think people give them to me as a joke sometimes. Right, right. And I'm like, oh man, it's a lot of the, the worst ones. The new, the the, the, um, the newer versions are, are much better. But if if they're the ones from like 15, 20 years ago, mm. they they just not... slip and slide all over the place. Yeah, so it's, it's it's the last thing you want. But um, no, that's that's really cool. Thanks for that. And um, I've got the quick fire round that I can do with you if you're happy to do that. Okay. To, people to get to know you a bit more. Um, what's your favorite food? Um. Well, I got to say Italian just for the, you know, the cultural her- heritage. And I probably can cook that the best. Cool. Uh, but I really do love a lot of Asian stuff. I learned to love Indian food from uh, living in England for a couple of years really early on. I mean, I turned a lot of my friends on to that stuff because we just didn't really have it in, in the States or in my area, at least. Um, and I love Thai food. Yeah. Also. Yeah. I mean, I'm into all, all of those things too. Indian, yeah, cool. yeah, Indian's one of my favorites. Yeah. Uh, um, favorite movie? Uh, right now, I would say, um, there's a freaky movie called Gentleman Broncos, oh. which is done by the director that did, um, oh man, Nacho Libre. Oh yeah, and um, Napoleon Dynamite kind of started from those silly movies that uh, you know kind of went. Oh, that dude made that, 
and his next movie must be good. And that was Nacho Libra. And then after that, he made this Gentleman Broncos thing, which was, I think it was a complete stiff, but it's so fucking out there and whacked and so hilarious. It's like one of those where just every line is worth remembering and repeating. And it's uh, Sam Rockwell is in it. Okay, and, that sounds uh, cool. It's like this bizarro science fiction kind of... There's uh, a young kid that wants to uh, become a science fiction writer, but it's like everything kind of goes wrong for him. And uh, But just some of the scenery and imagery as they're thinking about this story is so fucking whacked. It's, it's just great. But yeah, and all the classic stuff as well, like... Um, you know, Caddyshack or the Austin Powers stuff or the billion movies, but that's that that one's kind of like not as well known. So it's something that, you know, can be it hasn't been overwatched or anything yet. Okay, yeah, I've not heard of it. I'll check that out. It does sound yeah. like something I would enjoy. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's cool. And guitar or bass? Hmm. Uh Bass. Yes. I think. N nylon or wood tip drumsticks? Oh. Uh wood. Most people say wood. Don't like uh <laughs> don't like flying trajectories uh while I'm trying to play a show. <laughs> I know. I apparently they're better these days, but that's all I remember yeah. <laughs> about nylon tips when I used to when I tried a few out when I was a kid. Um, yeah. But I can't say I've ever tried them since, but mm -hmm. I can understand why people want the, the extra ping or whatever. But Oh, yeah. yeah whatever. Not for me. Um, John Bonham or Neil Peart? Oof. Oh, man, that's a tough one. Both of those were just like maybe the top two. Yeah. Um, that's what I got to go. I got to go Bonzo just for sheer... I don't know, everything, tone, feeling, uh, you know, the songs, of course, mm. you can talk drummers all day, but I mean, the bands and the songs is really where it, you know, and um, anytime I hear Zeppelin, it's just like, you know, but that's also not anything against Neil, because I mean, that was a huge part of my life as well is really digging into that guy you know he's a, a master and um you know lyric writer and composer and ridiculous drummer yeah yeah i sometimes wonder you know like the career of neil for me i was really really into like the first half of rush's career you know the later stuff i feel they lost the fire of that younger trio you know and then it got all kind of like very intense with you know um, synths and different things and the songs to me i just like the raw rush of like 2112 farewell of kings even moving pictures i think was their peak but i wonder like if bonzo had lived would he have had that sort of same scope yeah. or they you know zeppelin started to just make stuff that you really didn't want to listen to anymore you know but the way it is the way it stands the amount of music and what 
that dude did within that time frame could still listen to it, you know, yeah. every day, any day. And it's like, wow, you know, just unbelievable, groundbreaking and just killer, killer yeah. stuff. That's, in, that's interesting the way you said that. If, if he'd had more, if he'd had a longer career, what would have happened? Yeah, I never really thought about that. But yeah, yeah. I, I know what you mean. Totally. Yeah. Um, again, this similar Beatles or Rolling Stones. Mm. Well, the cool thing to say is the Stones, but actually I'm probably way more of a Beatles fan um, just because, I don't know, I probably was exposed more to the Beatles in the beginning, and uh, a lot of those songs were uh, more fun, you know, as a child singing whatever you know she loves you or uh, yellow submarine or whatever it's just like a big part of a bigger part of everybody's musical life you know from those days on and i think they were uh, just amazing songwriters and uh, the fact that they kept it together and the fact that they made all that stuff within like six years or something yeah also kick ass and they're a whole different thing it's again it's apples and oranges but uh i honestly uh know more about the beatles and um and probably listen to the beatles more yeah yeah me too really there's a lot of stone stuff i've probably not heard so i do need to go and um check it out but the fact that they're still obviously still doing it yeah it's incredible fair play to them it's amazing it really Um, is um, what about big or small venue mm. for you? Uh, I think uh, I I guess it's just about the crowd, you know. Sometimes big venues are, are amazing, but then again, you're so far away. Um, you kind of lose that energy, you know, a bit. Yeah. You just feel more like you're just kind of up there floating on your own, you know? Whereas when you're down more in the mix of it all with the people going for it and the band is cooking all together and not like, you know, <laughs> thank God for in-ears, right, on bigger stages because it used to be just like, what? Like, where, you know... Doro's done a few of these runners out onto the catwalk, you know, and then she starts singing to what's come out of the PA. Oh, right. And the band's yeah. like a half a millisecond behind, or, or and it's like, what the, f-? you know, oh. and so that can be a complete mind fuck. But uh, yeah. yeah, I think smaller venues are more fun. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. I think I, th- I, think I agree with you there. Um, when we actually play big stages, we make sure we still set up quite close to each other. We don't like use the whole width. With yeah. Any, so, cause we're more used to smaller stages. And I think. We, yeah. It makes a lot of sense. I never actually thought about it, but um, yeah, our stage manager, our sound guy always makes sure he measures like the distance from the vocal wedges to the drum riser. And I was always like, why wouldn't you use the whole stage, you know, but it does make total sense to keep everybody, you know, more, uh, 
where they're used to being, you know, but, uh, now with in-ears, like I said, it's kind of, uh, it makes, makes it a little easier. You know, you can be yeah. sort of anywhere and still hear, hear each other just the same. Is, is the whole band on in-ears? Uh, everyone but Doro. Oh, right. Yeah. So my dad, got, like, my, my dad doesn't use them. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how I, you know, I'm as old as they are, so I should typically be just like putting the finishing touches on my ears. But I, drums are a whole different thing, man. I mean, you're, you know, years of drumming can just can destroy your hearing so bad. So I'm glad I started wearing plugs, you know, a long time ago on stage. And then when in-ears came out, I was just like, this is going to save my, my hearing for sure, you know. Yeah. And uh it makes playing a lot more fun, easier, don't have to overplay as much and uh there's a lot of good good things about it. Yeah, totally. I do recommend anyone to try them who maybe hasn't tried them yet. Yeah. Um, it might take a bit of an adjustment, but I'm sure as soon as you get used to it, it's really really is worth it and yeah. absolutely wear ear protection if you don't already. That's that's uh, a that's a, sure. a given. <laughs> Do not play a drum kit without any yeah. protection. <laughs> oh, you can't be doing that. Um, what's your favorite time signature? Four four. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good. F favorite rhythm section. So uh, a bassist and, Ooh, and wow. drummer from a band. Uh, hmm. That's a tough one, man. There's so many good ones. I'm going to uh, just step out from the obvious. I'll give it to uh, Doug Pinnock and Jerry Gaskell from uh, from King's X. I love oh, that cool. band. And, uh, yeah, they're only a three-piece, so there's really, you know, the whole band is practically a rhythm section. But, uh, yeah, one of my favorite uh, bands from back in the day who were considered a new band, but now they're, you know, they're just as old as, uh, as some of the classic, you know, some of the, the staples of, of rock, you know, but, yeah. uh, yeah, they're killer. Okay, cool. That's a good one. Um, name an underrated band. Hmm. Well, those guys for sure. Um, okay. and there's one from my, childhood uh the band angel which was signed to casablanca records like um as sort of um another kiss type of band they all dressed in white and um yeah never got to the to the point that kiss did they were very mm, underachieving i guess you would say but um their show was so sort of extravagant back in the day that they actually had to headline gigs on their own because they couldn't really present this show uh as an opening act. So wow. um they used to use some magic tricks. They would materialize on stage and stuff like that through some magical uh stuff and it was huh. really, really cool. So if you you know 
I went to see them as a headline act, really not even knowing who they were. And it fucking blew my mind, along with probably everyone that has ever seen them is still to this day like a huge Angel fan. But the, for this, what sold it for me was the drummer, Barry Brandt, was probably one of the most underrated or unknown players, but he's totally from the bottom school, but took it to like more of a progressive level. You know, if you took Bonham and Pace and like mashed them up, ah, okay. uh, this guy is fucking phenomenal. You know, he's just a great, great player and killer sound. So if you ever get a chance to check out some old angel, I will. I know that, but. I've not come across that name before, so I, yeah. I definitely will. It's a very select um, the following left okay. for that band, but they're actually out doing some stuff, but it's only the singer and the guitar player from the original band. Ah, uh, okay. Okay. That's, uh, cool. All right. Um, favorite album of all time? Ay, ay, ay. That's, oh, man. Mm, I will say it's probably between Physical Graffiti, Zeppelin, and Kiss Alive. Cool. Nice. Those are probably the ones that I burned on the most. Kiss Alive, definitely. But, uh, yeah, there's, there's just so many. But that's, yeah. uh, you kind of got to go with the ones that you started with, you know? I agree. It is, yeah, it's the same for How me. How about for you? What's yours? Oh, now you've, oh, favorite album. Uh, again, it's one of, I, one of a few. I, I'd have to narrow it down, but the, the, the first one I thought of was, again, I, I wasn't that young actually, so I would have been a teenager at this point, but there's an Australian band called Silverchair. Not sure oh yeah, if you know that band, but they, yeah. they they've got an album called um, Diorama, which was like one of their later releases. Okay, they had all like orchestral stuff in it, and it's just the it just blew me away. And every time I listen to it now, it's just it's so much musicality going on. Uh, the lyrics are really weird, but like interesting. The vocals are amazing. The, all the all the instruments are amazing. And it's just something special about that album to me. And it's, it stood out, um, through all these years. I think it may, it probably came out in the early 2000s. Hmm. So it's not that old, but. Right. But, Interesting. Uh, it's, it's and I lost track of them after probably the first album. I mean, I know Kevin Shirley did their first record and he's, um, yeah, he's done some amazing stuff, but I just, I lost track of those guys. I'll have to check that record out. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty cool. Um, like the earlier stuff is a bit more rock. Like this is, it is rock, but it's a, they, they've taken it to the next level of. There's so much stuff going on, but like yeah, yeah Dan, Daniel Johns, who's the the singer and guitar player, is yeah, he's a bit of a he's a bit of a genius. He's he's got a few issues. Um, and he's got his yeah, own. They pod. do, yeah, as they yeah. do. Well, I think you know he was put into all that spotlight that like. 14 i think the first album right so I, I think it kind of messed him up a little bit unfortunately mm. but um but yeah um he's still making music he's um he's got like solo records out now but they're more more electronic i'm not really into that so much yeah but, um, cool but yeah 
That's probably mine. Um, last quick fire round. Favorite drummer of all time? Uh, Bonham. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Sounds <laughs> like nah. yeah, fair enough. Just, uh, yeah, and again for sheer level of what he did in the time that he was is you know sort of uncomparable to. It's much easier to put him into folk. You know, like I said earlier, because of almost that short time period, you know, I guess Keith Moon would be another one that uh, was taken too early. Um, yeah. But, you know, all those guys, Cozy Powell, you know, yeah. um, when you they sort of get etched into time, you know, because they're. You can't really. um yeah, you can't really compare, you know, like them now to somebody current or it's like it that at that time, you know. Yeah. Um, but there's so many, dude. These questions are just like brutal. Uh, you know? uh, sorry. <laughs> well, it's, it, 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 it's, it's normally like what what what's the first thing you think of is normally, I guess, the correct answer for you personally. Right. Yeah, way. I know sometimes it can it can bring up a few, maybe two or three names and stuff. But you should I give uh, you should give people like three seconds tops to answer. You know that would because I'm dragging this shit out way yeah. too. Yeah, <laughs> it is it is meant to be quick fire, but it doesn't yeah. matter. Cool, right? So just to f finish up, then this is what everyone has to answer. If you could start your own dream band with yourself on the drums, who would you have playing the other instruments, and they can be dead or alive? Whoa. Okay. Um, mm, Freddie Mercury on vocals. Um, yeah. Uh, Eddie Van Halen on guitar. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and um, hmm, who's going to be my bass player, man? Uh, Getty Lee. Nice. Cool. <laughs> Just don't let him sing. Yeah, that, right. That's, a, that's my. I'm not. I'm not a fan of his voice, man. It's one. Yeah, thing. that's a tough one to take, man. It's 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 annoying because I. Again, even though I'm a drummer, and I know everyone goes on about Neil Peart being the best drummer or one of the best drummers, and he is amazing. But I can't get past the music because of the vocal. I struggle. For me, for me to listen to music. I need to at least enjoy every part of it. Sure. Dedicate my time to listen to it. And it's a shame because I'm probably, I've probably missed out on a lot of amazing drumming because I don't enjoy the music. Right. That's, I'm totally understandable, man. I think it's like an acquired taste, you know, you would call yeah. it because it's, it's, it was quite an amazing voice in the beginning but it was also not the most soothing yeah i think that's what it is i, I appreciate it's unique yeah and, and like technically what you know what he's doing is good but it's just like oh i, I can't i can't listen to a whole album i did buy yeah. an album when i was a kid and 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 i tried my best and i but i didn't buy another one right <laughs> let's, put it, let's put it that, that way yeah but, man. 
maybe one maybe one day someone will bring out some instrumental Rush albums, <laughs> or maybe they yeah, exist already. I wouldn't just pop, pop on a Neil Peart, um, you know, instructional video. You can just listen to the tunes uh, with drums, you know, drums only or whatever. Yeah, yeah. That's a good idea. I'll do that. I'll do that. Or do those, uh, you know, those um, videos on uh, YouTube, the isolated track. Yeah. Just yeah, crank up amazing. some Rush on there and just listen to the drums, man. Yeah, I'll do that. I will do that. That'll be that's something I should really um, catch up on. Ah, great, Johnny. That's been amazing. Um, I hope you've enjoyed. I've really enjoyed. Um, really nice to have a proper long conversation with you. That's yeah, not, dude. Finally, not, yeah. yeah, not in the kitchen. Great <laughs> to be on and to chat with you, and uh, yeah, to know each other a little better. Now it's cool after hanging a bit. Yeah, exactly. Shows and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much. And um, for anyone listening, if you want to follow Johnny on Instagram, it's D Drums. Uh, Twitter, I don't know if you use that. D underscore Drums. Um, you're on Facebook. I don't know if you accept. Yeah, uh, ads. I, I'm there, at but... the limit. You can follow me, which I would appreciate. But I mean, the friend thing—they limit you. I probably should create an artist page just to yeah avoid that. But yeah, I'm easy to find out cool. there. Great, great stuff. Um, well, I, I'll let you get on with your day. Uh, thanks very much, uh, Johnny. Um, and, and thanks to everyone for listening to this. Uh, yeah, hopefully we'll thank see, you see. all, man. Cheers, yeah. Dane. No worries. Give Cheers now. Give your a hug for me, man. Run for the Song Podcast. Thanks for listening to this episode of Drum for the Song Podcast. If you've enjoyed this, Please consider liking the video and subscribing if you're watching on YouTube or subscribe and follow wherever you get your podcasts. If you could leave me a review or comment, that would be fantastic too as it helps other people discover this show. Please also consider sharing this with any family members or friends who might enjoy the content. You can also follow me on social media at Dane underscore drums or at drum for the song or search for Drum for the Song on Facebook to follow the page and join the official Facebook group. If you'd like to support the podcast, you could purchase some merchandise from drumforthesong.com or consider supporting me via Patreon from just £3 per month for additional exclusive content like bonus episodes, video calls with myself, competitions, discounts and much more. Any additional support is always greatly appreciated, but I would like to give extra special thanks to my top tier Groove Master patrons, whose names are listed in the description below. My name is Dane Campbell, and thanks so much for watching or listening this far. If you're a drummer, don't forget to drum for the song! <laughs>